You know, Dano Seasoning is changing the world one table at a time by offering the best all-natural low-sodium seasoning products on the market. Dano's goals are to provide you with real flavors to make healthier food choices without ever having to sacrifice the real taste. Dano's includes low sodium, which is only 50 milligrams per serving. It has all natural unrefined sea salt. There's no sugar, no MSG, no chemicals, and it's completely gluten-free. Also, there's 100% natural ingredients. Dano's seasoning is the most versatile seasoning on the market. Grill, smoke, bake, create soups, sauces, marinades. You can also sprinkle Danos on your eggs, your potatoes, maybe some pizza, maybe some pasta, and even while you're watching a movie, sprinkle some Danos on popcorn. Heck, if you're crazy, why don't you put some Danos on ice cream? Any food that exists, you can put some Danos on it. Go to danosseasoning.com, use my promo code HodgePodge, capital H and a capital P in HodgePodge. Guys, remember to do that. Um, just like the spelling of the podcast, a capital H and a capital P in HodgePodge. You can try all three flavors, which include original, spicy, and hot chipotle right now today. It's damn good. Yum, yum. Get you some. We are sponsored by Raise Energy. Powered by the enhanced refresh technology, Raise Energy delivers with a performance-enhancing energy drink that aids in the most often overlooked categories. Raise Energy targets focus, enhances your recovery time, improves clean energy levels, and boosts your stamina and hydration. Most importantly, each single can of Raise Energy has absolutely zero calories, zero sugar, and zero carbohydrates, which that gives you a smarter and more healthier option. You should not have to settle for an energy drink that contains more sugar and carbs than you can count. Opt for the number one fan-voted energy drink on the market today with Raise Energy. If you want to get yourself a can of Raise Energy, go to repsports.com, R-E-P-P, sports.com. Use my promo code HPP1000, HPP1000 at checkout, and you will receive a generous discount. I'm your host, Ollie Dillhunch, but you guys already know that. Thanks for clicking on this episode. Thanks for streaming this episode. Just just thank you for listening, period, wherever you are. Uh, whatever time you're in, whatever time zone you're in, whatever day it is, thank you for listening. Uh, we are dropping on Fridays now. It used to be Mondays, but you know what? I had to work through the weekends doing that, and I hated working through the weekends. So we just decided to push it to Fridays. We'll see how that works, and if we have to change uh, days, then we'll just change days. So Fridays are going to be the new published dates for the podcast. So <clears throat> there's that, and today's episode is is, uh, is is a one that I didn't think I would be able to get. <laughs> so we got Georgette Jones on. Uh, Georgette is the only child of George Jones and Tammy Wynette. 
She's on talking about being the consulting producer for Showtime's miniseries George and Tammy, starring Michael Shannon and Jessica Chastain as George and Tammy. She was born October 5th, 1970 in Lakeland, Florida. Today we're talking about the show George and Tammy and how positive it came to, to, to viewers and the thoughts she had on seeing Michael Shannon and Jessica Chastain in costume as her mother and her father. There's also chat about the movie that this was supposed to be and how it was supposed to be done in 2011 and how it waited to 2022 to finally be done and just her thoughts about it. She's also chatting a little bit about her childhood and living with George and Tammy, but it's not as much as you would want it to be. And it's like that on purpose. I didn't want her to just talk about the same things of having to live with George Jones and Tammy Wynette, the famous couple, the famous whatever. I didn't want to have to relive that because she talks about that in, 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 in any interview she does. And I was like, I don't want that to happen. So we take a little dive and we just talk about the human beings that George and Tammy were and how she got into the music business and all that. And it's it's a great chat with uh, Georgette. So here on the HodgePodge Podcast, please welcome Georgette Jones right here, right now. You need to slow down. So many people are relying on me, fans and my family. They're going to take it from us. Take what? Our fire. You just got to hold on. Fantastic setup. I mean, I'm in the middle of reconstructing my studio. So like, I was like, let me just put a little table here and a chair while I get my studio going. But you have an amazing setup. I I have to give all the credit to my husband because I know nothing about technology. (laughs) I'm the worst, but uh, we we have been doing some streaming and some different things on Facebook and um, thanks to him knowing what he's doing. He has, he's set me up in a really great space and my room's pretty empty right now. We're just, we just moved. So I'm I'm hoping to have it all full of some pretty colors and lights and things here before too long, but Uh, but thank you. Same here. I moved from one student. I'm, I'm building up, actually making another one so like it's om- like literally almost done and I just <clears throat> have to move all my stuff back in there but um I I thank you for coming on Georgette because it's um it's an it's an honor to be you know talking with you on zoom and I know that you live in Alabama <clears throat> you live in Alabama I'm in Mississippi so we're experiencing the same weather the same thunderstorms oh my gosh yeah so yeah so I, was, I, I felt trouble. so bad I thought oh no like my right when we were running some errands I got home and had way plenty of time before we were going to be doing this and yeah. as I was starting to get ready all of a sudden our electricity went off and I went oh this isn't gonna be good so it came back on we were running around getting things ready we had already gotten everything ready down here for my zoom call and so when I came down here a few minutes ago I didn't even think about when the electricity went off that I needed to come back and restart my pc and get everything back in order so I was like oh no now I'm gonna end up being late so I apologize, but <laughs> no, no, you're all cool. I just, I guess let's just go ahead and just kind of start with this thing. So I wanted to get you on Georgette because, <clears throat> and, and I, I want to start out with this new show, which is one of the reasons why you're here. You're, you're promoting this show, uh, which is George and Tammy, which is exclusively on Showtime, you know, and, and, I, and I'll be honest with you in my own opinion, 
it's one of the best shows I've seen in a long time. And, and I'll be completely honest and I'll be vulnerable here with you and with everybody listening. When I saw the first trailer a few months ago, and then I saw that Michael Shannon was playing George and Jessica Chastain was playing Tammy. I was like, eh, because they're, they're not my, <laughs> you know, they're not, they're not my go-to people. But then I think the first episode came on after Yellowstone or it came on after something that I was watching and I was like, oh, I think I want to check that out. And it was literally shocking to me because I said, whoa, like Michael Shannon, congratulations. Like it was like an applause. I was like, that was an amazing thing. Jessica Chastain was amazing. And I think honestly, Michael Shannon stole the show because he looked just like George Jones, which happens to be your father. I thought it was amazing. His vocals, like you can tell that he really, really studied and did his homework on George Jones and didn't just say, yes, I'm going to play him. Let's do it. Yeah, I'll definitely agree with you that. I mean, I was so excited and happy, um, way exceeded any of my expectations. Um, you know, I was leery in the very beginning of even doing such a project. Um, so thankful that we talked it out and were able to do it. Um, Abe Sylvia, such a wonderful writer and um, all the people that, you know, were helping him with that too, but he just had such a vision and um, he made me a couple of promises, things that were important to me uh, because as a consultant, I get to help them with information. I get to set them up with meetings with different family and artists and all of that. But at the end of the day, it's up to them to decide how they want to write it. And so I was very concerned. I didn't want it to go, you know, some kind of a crazy Hollywood direction and not be accurate and truthful and, and real. And, um, and he really did such an amazing job doing that. So when they cast, they actually cast Jessica, um, Abe casted her based on his initial vision back in 2011, when my book came out before they even spoke to me in 2013, mm. um, about using the book or, or me being involved. And so, um, I'd seen her blonde and of course the help I'd seen her in lots of other movies. I knew she was a great right. actress. Uh, but then once I, it really started um, coming together, when I saw some of the preliminary pictures of hair and makeup and costumes and when they were getting ready to start filming, and I thought, oh, wow, like she just really does remind me so much of mom. Um, she's tiny and petite like mom, um, you know, just she really just all of that was coming together. So when they decided to cast Michael, I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, he's like 10 foot tall. And, and like, you know, like he's just he's such a tall guy. And I wasn't really sure if I could see it. I knew he was a great actor. I'd seen him in several things that I loved him in. I I thought he was a great actor, um, but I was worried at first about people accepting him, um, you know, looking like dad. But to be honest, when I went to Wilmington to, to watch some of the filming with my sister, uh, we went towards the end of the filming. And um, the first person that I saw walking from trailer to set was actually Michael Shannon. And he was just far enough away from me that it kind of took me off guard. Um, he was dressed up as older dad, you know, as my older dad. And um, the way they had him dressed, and as much as he had studied my dad's mannerisms, it was crazy watching him walk and, and do some of the things I, I know I've seen my dad do. It it really, I, I broke down and just, I mean, immediately from seeing him, I just started crying because it just was a very emotional response to something that felt very mixed up in my head because he looked like my dad from far away. But um, I, I think both of them really did a lot of research and certainly were brave attempting to try to do vocals. And, you know, Michael actually plays guitar and sings, which was an advantage for him, but I thought they did an amazing job. You know, you mentioned seeing Michael Shen as, as older, uh, I'll say older George here. So people know who we're talking about as, as 
your dad is an elderly man. And that was one of the scenes that kind of took me by surprise because it was like, because I didn't know, obviously I'm, I'm watching it as, 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 as a, as a viewer. So I don't know the direction they're going to go. Like, I don't know if they're going to show them older. I didn't know. And I was hoping they would. I was like, man, I wish they would show the George Jones that I know person that, that I know is right, the older right. Jones. And I was like, I hope they do it. And they did in that last episode. And I said, Holy, I was like, Holy crap. Like that is, that's amazing. They look just like him. And, and I think that would be just, I don't really have a, a favorite scene from the show, but I just think that in particular as Michael Shen as the older George Jones is just, was a, was a breathtaking thing to see, especially as a viewer of a fan, you know, that they took the Thank time you. and they took the time and courage to do that because I will say this, I, I, I and I want to, I don't want to tell your story, and I don't want to take up all the time, but like, your parents had a love story, like like no other, I think. So I'm I'm not gonna say they had a love story like like Johnny and June, but I'll say they had a love story like Elvis and Priscilla. They loved each other so much that they couldn't stay together. Is that if that makes sense? Like they loved each other that much that it was like it was. I don't want to say it was flawed that they just couldn't stand to be around each other. They loved them that much. And and I think, I, I think they're, yeah, both so passionate that I think um, sometimes, you know how, like if you ever get angry at a family member versus getting angry at a stranger, do you know what I'm saying? Like right. a stranger, I think you don't have any expectations for, and you, you expect that strangers aren't necessarily always going to treat you kindly or to do things the way that you want them to. So I think that we sometimes tend to give more leeway for strangers than we do those that we love. It should probably be the opposite way around. But for some reason, I think when we love someone, if they do something that feels like a betrayal or that hurts our feelings or that um, seems you know harsh or not supportive or, or whatever it might be, um, I think we take that to heart far more. Um, when someone that we care about does something versus someone who's a stranger, because you don't care about that. You know what I mean? You just don't. So I think that has a lot to do with it. I think their passion for each other, for music, for each other, their love um, was overwhelming at times and very frustrating for both of them trying to accomplish what they were trying to accomplish. My dad, I think, was so frustrated and angry at the music industry that he just wanted, he still wanted to make music, but he didn't want to be in Nashville. He just wanted to get away from it. And my mom had spent her entire life trying to get there and had just gotten there, you know, when they really met and started seeing each other. So um, I think she was happy to be there and wanted to forge on in Nashville. And he was trying to get away. She wanted more fame and more gold records. And he was like, just get me out of this mess and chaos. And I think one reason why he drank was because of all the chaos and um, the depression that he felt and the anxiety that he had with all the other stuff around him. And then of course that made a whole new problem. And then of course, you know, as anybody knows, my mom also developed her own problems, you know, with health and medical issues with, um, you know, drugs being uh, pain medication to help her with certain things. And it became an addiction as well. So there was just so much against them pulling them apart, including media attention and other people in the industry who just didn't want them to be together. Because for them, they knew that the more unhappy they were and the more drama was in their life, the better the music was going to be, they thought. You know, there was that's how they made so much music magic. They really lived the lyrics to their songs. You know, a lot of people aren't like me, as in, like, because I'm a giant music nerd. I know a lot of stuff about music especially country music because that's what i grew up with so a lot of times people will take like 
the biopics or stories that a certain person wants to tell and they go, oh, that's the story. That's exactly how it happened when in actuality, no, right. Hollywood got involved and they kind of twist and turned it different directions. But with George and Tammy, I feel as much as that I've studied and, and done, you know, papers on in the past that they have most of it of the story correct. And and, and I appreciated that because I was like, wow, I see. I, I love that they told the story. Sure. Did they add dramatic effects? Sure. But they kind of have to. It's a show. I understand. But it was like the story was pretty much on on tier with being the truth it really was and that was something that was important to me um before we even got started i i didn't want to see something dramatized in a way that i didn't even recognize anymore as my family i wanted it to be truthful and honest i wanted the good and the bad to be seen because to be honest um you know with everything our family has been through um you know there's hope out there that maybe this would be something that would help someone through their own addiction or maybe it would help them with somebody else that they care about who has an addiction maybe there's some lesson in all of this that somebody can learn somewhere but um i didn't want to hide the truth but i also didn't want them not to show how vulnerable and loving and loyal and genuine uh, my parents were with each other and with other people. I mean, um, you know, all of that was important and I'm so glad that they were able to show it. There's always going to be people who are, are negative about certain things. This didn't happen exactly that way. Um, I think we've probably got 20 people all right off the bat saying, well, the opening scene, they showed Roy Acuff in a cowboy hat and he didn't ever wear a cowboy hat. Of course, then you have people put posting pictures of Roy early in his career wearing a cowboy hat. I mean, I think people sometimes focus on some of the little details um, and get upset when things aren't exactly how they've pictured things. But I will say that overall, um, I mean, they interviewed well over 100 people, uh, family members, other artists, people in the industry that they worked with. Um, lots of other artists themselves too, uh, just so many people. And that way they could get an overall view and different stories from everyone. So when it comes right down to it, do we know the exact words that people said to each other at an exact moment in a private conversation? No, of course we don't. But we do know that these are stories that mom and dad have told other people, friends and coworkers, that we have the gist of what certain con conversations were like. And uh, thankfully, Abe and the other writers were so creative and amazing. They were able to fit, you know, to make that you know, sound powerful and great. Um, but I will say the events did happen. Some things may have been a little out of sweet sequence, trying to get everything in six episodes. Um, but yeah, the events that happened were truthful events and they were things that did occur. So um, I think that was the main thing. We wanted the story to be truthful and in, um, in there. And, and I think that they were able to accomplish that. I do have a couple more questions about the TV show. and We'll move off of it because I don't want to stay on that the whole time. I know you don't either. I know you've lived it. You've told it for a <laughs> while. But so when George was recording or your dad was recording, he stopped loving her today. What in the, the the show shows it as they had to have Tammy in there to kind of wake him up and to have him record the song. Is that kind of how it went down? Because I'm not familiar with that storyline. To be honest, um, that was something that I had heard rumors and, and talk about in the past, but I didn't know if that really happened or not. And when I questioned it, because there were a couple of things that I questioned, like I said, I didn't necessarily want to say. 
I'm going to pitch a big fit if you do this because, you know, I didn't, I wasn't trying to stop their process, but at the same time, they knew how important it was to me that things would be factual. Um, so I actually did my own fact checking, to be honest, that, you know, she, she was called and asked to be there. Um, I don't think she really understood exactly what her purpose in being there was going to be. I think she thought it might've been something else. I don't think my dad was really aware that they were pulling her there for that reason either. Um, but I will say that there were several people of credit that I would say wouldn't have told that story if it weren't true. So I do believe it happened. I have found that through this process that there were a lot of things that my family, especially when I was much younger, uh, hid for me and, and did not necessarily even hid, just we didn't talk about it was something we didn't discuss. Um, and I think they did that to protect me because I was the youngest child in the family. And I don't think they wanted me to hear in all the negative stuff, um, especially when I was very young. And so it wasn't until I was in my 20s and 30s that I started hearing other stories about my parents and my family and things that had happened. And I'm 52 years old now. And it's, it's it, it amazes me that um, there was a lot of things until I started talking to other family members, even my sisters, that they were like, oh, you didn't know that? I'm like, no. And they're like, well, you know, they, they're they they're nine and 10 and six years older than me. So I guess, you know, they thought they were trying to, you know, protect me when I was at a, such a young age when they divorced. But, um, but yes, apparently that was actually an accurate um, situation. You know, we're talking about your dad recording music and and one of my favorite things is when he like talked like donald duck or daffy duck whatever he did to wah, 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 that type of thing michael shannon portrayed that i mean amazingly well so like kind of was your dad like a very funny guy because that's how it come off with that you know, he'd do voices he could do all these different things so was he like a funny guy how was, how was he? he really was dad had a great sense of humor um and the thing is like you would think that he was shy and quiet um if you didn't really know him well once you actually got to know him he wasn't shy or quiet like he was very talkative and he was very funny and my children that was one of the things they loved every time they'd visit their grandpa they thought he was the funniest guy that they ever met just because he was hilarious. I mean, he would make up little songs here and there out of nothing driving down the road, or he would, you know, point out something and make a joke about something. Of course, my kids thought it was awesome. Um, but as far as the, like the Donald Duck thing, um, he used to, he could make that voice. He could make other voices and it started off simple and cute and just something funny. Uh, unfortunately, there was a point in my dad's life where, um, the drugs and alcohol were such a big part of his life that um, he spoke like the duck or what he called the old man um, for nearly a year. I mean, he rarely wow. spoke in his own voice um, other than when he was on stage performing. So he was seriously close to a mental break at that point. And I think it was, um, even though it may have started off as something funny and cute, it did turn into something quite serious. Um, and I rarely heard him do that anymore after he, when he finally got clean and sober, you know, many years later, um, that wasn't anything that he ever really would do anymore. And I think it's because he realized at that time in his right. life, it may have started as something innocent and cute and funny, but it, it did turn into something very, um, scary really, because it was, he was just in such a bad place and such a bad state of, of mental health. Right. You know, and, and you toured with, with your mom and your mom and dad, Georgia, Tammy. And I, I and I kind of want to know as a child of two at the time, gigantic country superstars, you know, there had to be some crazy instances that occurred. Like everybody uses the positive things about being air quote, like rich and famous. 
But what were some of the things that you had to witness as a child, if you don't mind sharing, that were kind of like, oh, I don't really want to be this rich and famous? Oh, well, there were several things. Um, one thing, a very, there's a mild thing and then there's a major thing. I'll put okay. it that way. Um, okay. on the, on the milder side, um, especially as a child, I didn't understand it as much when I got older, of course I did. And it, and it's something that I learned to accept. Um, but we would go places, um, for instance, mom was doing a show, uh, for Dollywood once many, many years ago, all of us kids were excited to get to go with her. Um, cause mom toured a lot. So she was gone from home a lot. And so we were looking forward to having some family time together because it wasn't that far away from home. So we all loaded up and went with mom on the bus to, um, Dollywood. And there was a day that she had off in between shows. And so we were going to try to go do, you know, putt, putt golf, go eat things like that. Um, and unfortunately for us, we had a great day, but you know, mom didn't get to really enjoy any of it. Um, two minutes into ordering food, she never even got to eat her food because there mm. were so many people asking for autographs and pictures. And mom was just so grateful to all of her fans for being her fans. She would never, ever think of trying to turn anybody away. She was grateful that they would want her autograph and picture. So um, she would do that, of course. And then we left and went to a putt-putt golfing area. And she ended up having to leave and go back to the hotel because she's like, y'all aren't going to be able to even enjoy it because there were so many people there. We couldn't move from space to space to, to do it. Um, so she went back to the hotel and let us do some other activities, you know, during the day. So there was a lot of time where, unless we were home, it was hard for us to do ordinary things out and about as a family. Um, and that's just a mild thing, but the worst part of those things, we'd had a lot of threats on like my grandparents, there were threats on me and my sister's lives. There were threats on my mom's life. People, um, had broken into our house multiple times. Um, there was a time where someone had broken in and, wrote horrible obscenities on every glass, um, TV, TV fronts, mirrors, windows. Um, they flooded our home. They turned on every faucet and bathtub and sink and the entire house. Our house was flooded when we got home. We had gone bowling like as a family and came home and the house was flooded and, and torn apart. Um, someone set our house on fire once. Half of that my mom's bedroom burned down, um, which I don't even remember. Apparently I blacked it out. I was in that room when it caught fire. Um, mom had to get me out of the room. Um, terrible things like that. Vandalism and people that were just extreme fans, people who thought mom had hurt my dad. And so like, you know, this is what we were being told was happening. You know, we were told that these things were happening by crazy fans and, um, you know, we didn't really know what to think. We had no idea why this would be happening. And, you know, there were a lot of theories at the time. And, um, you know, it, it, it just was a scary, scary time um, for all of us, especially being kids, because we had no idea why this was happening to our family. And none of that would have happened, I'm sure, had they had regular jobs. You know what I mean? If they had been just doing what everybody else did, um, we wouldn't have been in the limelight for, for that to happen. But, um, People are motivated to do the most bizarre, crazy, horrible things, and and we don't always know why they do them. You know, I heard a rule once, and I've stuck with this rule my entire life about meeting celebrities. If they're eating or with their family, you're not allowed to go up and talk to them. It's just, it's a respect thing because, A, they're, they have money. Like, they have money, and they have somewhat of power more than you. But they're still just as human. They all bleed red. They, some of them can't dance. Some of them, you know, they, 
they're the same Absolutely. that you are. They just have more money and they have more success than said person. But, you know, and I find it hard for people that when they go, why don't, why don't just celebrities go out and they just put on a disguise? And I go, well, that makes them 10 times more vulnerable because they're like, oh, look, who's that person trying to hide? You know, like, right. so, but growing up with these famous, did you find it hard to, I can, to share your parents with the world? Because I know you toured with them for a while. The back was a background singer. Was it hard to share them as a young child that didn't understand what they were doing? Now the race is on and here comes pride up the back stretch. Put your hands together for Joe. Joe. You live in a fast world. Fast is the only speed I know. Understand me, Wynette? Mm-hmm. Will you make me an honest man? You make me an honest woman? You bet. I will say, you know, as a kid, it's so much different now that I'm a grown up and I'm a parent right. now myself. So it, it's so much different when you can look through those eyes um, instead of the eyes of someone who doesn't understand any of that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there were times as a child where I would be upset that, uh, you know, my parents couldn't be at a softball game and my, you know, my parents weren't going to be at my high school graduation because, you know, they were in Europe touring. You know, there was there were a lot of things that, you know. I thought were just terrible. You know, as you're a kid, you just think it's the worst thing. Oh, I can't believe no one, you know, they can't be it, whatever. Um, but then I, I look at it, there's a lot of people, you know, it's not just their jobs that keep some parents away from certain things. Sometimes life gets in the way for a lot of people. It doesn't really matter. It's no different from them than anybody else, a truck driver or anybody else who might have to travel for their, for their work. Mm -hmm. um, it's no different for them. But as I got older um, and I realized that, you know, like my mom wrote a song called Dear Daughters. So if, if you've never heard it, it's a beautiful song. Um, and she, she would do a very special medley on her show that was in honor of us kids. And as I got older, I realized really what all that meant. And especially becoming a parent, it meant so much to me. And of course, it's hard for me to even watch now just because it, it is so very emotional because it was really a love letter that mom wrote. She was on her way to Florida um, for a show and she she actually pulled over on the side of the road and um, she wrote this um, down for us girls at that moment and then turned it into a spoken song um, and it talks about her being a mom having to miss out on some of the most important events in our lives growing up in our childhood and how much she hated missing out on that and that how much she loved us and how much she wanted to be there for all those special things and um, that she hoped that we still knew, you know, how much she loved us, regardless of whether or not she could be there every day, all the time for everything, all the time. Um, and like I said, as I became a parent, you know, there were times where I, you know, I worked as a registered nurse for 17 years before I started doing music full time. And even as a nurse, there were days where, you know, I had to take call or I had to go in and do this or that. There were, you know, ball games I had to miss for my own children. There were events and things that I couldn't be there for as well. And, and I, and I totally, it clicked and I understood. I know exactly what she felt as a parent. You feel so guilty at any second, any one second that you miss out on with your children because they are so important. And, um, you know, I, I can understand now how she must have felt having to be gone so much for her job. And it was the one thing she knew she could do to provide for us. And she didn't, you know, she didn't grow up having everything, um, or having a lot. And so I think she was trying so hard to make a living that she could provide for all of us. And, um, and I think it was hard for her, 
um, being out on the road and being away from us, but it was the one and only passion she had. And, and she knew that that was something she could be successful at then and, and provide for us as a family. You know, your mom grew up a few hours away from, from where I'm at. And uh, I, I watched all the documentaries that they made about her and she, she did, she, she grew up with, with really nothing. So, and, you know, I kind of, look at the fact of what I much rather be Oprah Winfrey or what I much rather be the queen of England. And I would much rather be Oprah Winfrey because I know what it's like to be poor. I know what it's like if I, yeah. today, if I lose everything I have, I know what it's like to go back. Okay. Now it's tonight. It's ramen noodles and saltine crackers. Let's do it. That's right. I, you know what I mean? And, and, and I feel that your mother Absolutely. was the same way. I just, I don't know her. I didn't know her personally, but just from the stories that I've heard, what I, everything I've seen and learned about her, she seems like she was that type of person. Like if it was all gone tomorrow, she would be upset. Right. But I think she'd be okay at the end. That's the truth. I mean, you know, my mom and dad, both really material things. It wasn't all that important to him. My dad had an obsession with cars that he loved <laughs> buying cars, but to be honest, other than that, like he really didn't care if, if it came down to anything else, he'd have been happy living in a shack. He didn't care. It just, you know, that was the only thing he had a thing with, but my mom, um, you know, she did two things. Number one, she kept her beautician's license, uh, her entire life because she felt like she worked so hard to finally get it when she got it. Um, that, she didn't ever want to let go of that. And I think at the beginning of coming to Nashville too, she, everybody in the world told her how she could never make it. That was just a dream that most people dreamed and it was never to be realized. Um, and if she had listened to everyone, she never would have made it and never would have gone to Nashville, but she, she was determined for it to happen, but she still wasn't sure if she needed something to, you know, have in the background just in case it didn't work out. So she kept her beautician's license. And then all the way up until the day she passed away, she also had this beautiful um, bowl that she had um, cotton in that she picked from our great grandfather's farm. Like she actually picked some cotton uh, from the farm and put it in that bowl um, because when she was a child, she used to have to pick cotton and um, she ended up becoming such an amazing cook because she learned if she cooked for everybody, instead of going, she wouldn't necessarily have to go out in the fields all day if she was helping prepare meals for everybody too. Um, but my point is she used to keep that bowl of cotton on our fireplace mantle. And there were people who would ask her about it. And she's like, that is my constant reminder of who I am and where I came from. And it was important to her to have that because, you know, she grew up as Wynette Pugh and, you know, Tammy Wynette was who she became in Nashville for her fans and she loved music, but she still was Wynette Pugh in her heart. And that was always important for her to remember. So where did, for those that don't know, where, where did her Tammy Wynette, where did that come from? Um, she was born in Virginia, Wynette Pugh, and my Mima always called her Wynette. In fact, I, all the way until the day my Meemaw died, she called mom Wynette. She never called her Tammy, of course, because she's that's not right. a name she gave her. But uh, when my mom uh, met Billy Cheryl, um, at the time, it was a common thing. A lot of different people, if they thought right. your name wasn't something that would stand out or if it had an unusual name. Of course, uh, my mom's married name when she first came to Nashville was Bird, B-Y-R-D. And um, then he said, well, what's your maiden name? And she says, Pew. <laughs> so, you know, of course, he's like, oh, wait, well, People will be like, Pee-wee, you know, right. so she he was trying, right. So he was trying to think of something. He said, I tell you what, he said, um, your middle name's Wynette. Is that what you go by? And she's like, yes. And he said, well, you look like a Tammy to me. And I think there was a TV show out at the time with Debbie Reynolds where the character 
she played was named Tammy. And so Billy said, you know, how would you feel about Tammy Wynette then? And she's like, I, fine. You know, my mom said, you know, he could have named Ronald McDonald and she would have been fine with it because she just was so happy that somebody took an interest in her singing to help her. So uh, Billy Sherrill has to get the credit for sure for naming her Tammy Wynette. You know, I, I kind of want to know about your life a little bit, um, kind of as we wind down a little bit. Uh, you mentioned that you were a nurse. So what made you, when, when did you start? Cause you, cause you are, you did go into a professional, like being a singer and stuff like that. When did that, when did that start? Did it happen after, after your mom died or was it before? It did like the whole thing. It's kind of funny. I, I started singing on stage with either one or both of my parents right. when I was only three, Right. but somewhere around eight or so, I guess I started realizing people were paying attention and I think it made me really nervous. I felt like people were comparing me and even at that age, I realized that that was a difficult comparison. You know, I mean, my, my parents both were very successful. I was awfully proud of them, but to know that people were trying to decide if I was as good as they are or not was really, you know, almost crippling at times thinking about my nerves would just make me terrified to be on stage. But I loved music, always loved music. I'd always written either music or poetry growing up my whole life. Um, I stayed away from music initially because I just was too afraid of that comparison. Right. And I had a brief moment when I was 17 where I was talking to uh, Joe Galante and some different people at RCA Records, um, but I, I chickened out. I just really literally chickened out and thought, no, I'm just going to go to college. I, I want to be a, you know, a nurse. That's what I'm going to do. So I did, I went to college and I became a registered nurse and I did that for 17 years and I loved being a nurse. Um, but I always miss music. I really did. Music has always been a big passion. And so I would do rare, like maybe once every couple of years with a friend of mine, I might sing a couple of songs with her somewhere, or I might do something like that, but I really didn't sing for the most part from the time I was 17 or 18 until, um, I was 28, I guess. Uh, my mom died when I was only 27. And within the next year, a couple of people had asked me to sing in honor of her, which I was terrified and really nervous about. But by the time I hit 30, um, I think it just took some maturity on my part um, to really get there and say, you know what, there are lots of people out there who don't like Elvis or Celine Dion or Whitney Houston or some of these other people who I think have incredible voices because um, music is subjective you know like if you, we're going to hear it and we're not going to get the same thing out of the song I, I might may love a song that you hate or vice versa and it took me getting older to understand that I didn't want to be 80 one day and wish that I had tried or wondered what I could accomplish and with my own music so I started making some baby steps I, I ended up on a trip in Ireland that changed my life. I met my then, uh, my, my then future husband who I've been with now married for 11 years together, 13. And, um, I met a guy there, Tracy Pitcox, who offered to help uh, me make some records in Texas. I didn't, I had never made a record or done anything like that before. So my life really changed in 2009. And I went from being a nurse to starting to pursue music full time. And it was really just because, um, I finally was building confidence in myself, at least enough that I wanted to give it a try. And it took me, I will say, I mean, probably another four or five years just to even feel somewhat confident in, in doing music full time. And um, I'm just very lucky and very blessed that I've been able to continue pursuing uh, music as a full time career. So I'm, I'm very happy that I've been able to do that. What was 
so what was your dad's thought on dad i want to be a singer like after once you finally <laughs> come to the terms of it you know 2008 2009 you were like i want to do it was he like do not do it. Don't go to the idea because you've seen it. You know? <laughs> it's it's really it's the truth. It's so funny because uh, you know my dad it was kind of a double edged sword for him. On the one hand, um, he was very encouraging, and on the other hand, he's like, "You're a great nurse. It's a great career." And so I remember at one point telling him, <laughs> "You know, Dad, just you know, hey." Uh, my dad was always very honest and to the point, if you asked him a question, you know, he was going to give you the brutal, honest answer if, if you asked him. So I said, you know, I, I, you know, just be honest with me. Do you not like my voice? Does it, you know, are you thinking I shouldn't pursue singing? Cause you know, I'm, you keep saying what a great nurse I am. <laughs> it kind of makes me wonder if, you know, and he's like, Oh no, 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 no. It's not that at all. He said, honey, he's like, I really love your voice. I think you have a beautiful voice. He said, so please don't think that he said, um, I just know what this business is like. And he said, um, and I'll, I'll paraphrase what he said. Cause I don't, I don't know, um, if your listeners would appreciate his frankness, but basically he was saying there are so many sharks and the, you know, you'll be eaten alive. He's like, these people hurt people and they don't think twice about it. They just do whatever they need to do for them. And they don't care who they hurt in the process. And he said, so I just don't want to see that happen to you. So that's what he was trying to say. He's like, I'm not trying to discourage you from, he said, and I know if you're anything like me, once you have something that makes you feel passionate about it, you're not going to, you know, give it up anyway. He's like, but I just want you to be aware that I, he said, there's very few people in this business that are worth doing business with because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a crazy, uh, difficult business. And if anyone to know, he would know. I mean, he was in the business till the <laughs> yeah. day, you know, he was in the business till the day he died. So it was, he was still yes. singing the day, you know, on the days he died. So it was. Absolutely. You know, it's crazy to see, but so I kind of have two follow-up questions and they're going to be, I don't want to say a double-edged sword, but so when you you do all these interviews, these podcasts, whatever you want to call them, you do all these, what is the one question that you know, or topic that you know, someone is going to ask or get or ask you to talk about? Well, it's really kind of funny because you're the first person who hasn't really specifically asked it. Like I'm, I can almost always guarantee one of the first questions people are going to ask is what was it like growing up with your mom and dad? And see, for me, it's always such a difficult question to answer because we don't have any other point of reference. Like when we grew up in our home, this was mom and dad, you know, right. and Johnny Cash and Merle Haggard were their co-workers, you know, and the Ryman and the Opry was their business office. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we didn't know that it was so unusual and that it was so amazing. We had no idea. There's so many things now I wish if I could go back as a kid and appreciate that moment for what it was and for the people that we met and the places that we've been, because it certainly was very special and extraordinary um, we just had no idea until we got so much older, um, because they were always mom and dad, you know, we still got punished if we didn't make good grades or we still had, you know, to clean up our room and do chores and things, you know, so we, we didn't really see our life, our lives as being so unusual and different until we were old enough to see it really. You know, when it comes to people like you that grew up with two, I always kind of find it very ignorant for people to ask, so what was it like growing up with these two? Well, they were mom and dad. They just happened to sing. They your 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 dad's a construction worker and your mom's a nurse. Mine just have to be two singers. I mean, there's nothing different. I exactly. I knew 
I knew how to clean my room. I knew how to wash a dish. I, I, I knew how to pick right. up after myself. <laughs> I did everything. It was just, it's back to the same as if they're still human. They're just human. They just right. happen to have more. I mean, just, just be, let's put down the point. They just happen to have more money than a lot of people. That's all it comes down to. Uh, really? Exactly. So the second part to that would be, what's one question or one topic that you never get asked to talk about? And you're just like, man, I just wish this person would ask me about this. Oh, gosh. Now, that's a good question. I have to stop and think. Um, I don't know. I think that sometimes just more as a general thing, not necessarily about a specific instance, but I think in general, we get asked a lot about the craziness like for instance back when tales from the tour bus came out um okay they did speak to me and uh, a couple of other people on a couple of different days actually for hours and hours um and they they only used like a minute or two of what we said because i guess we didn't give dramatic terrible crazy stories mm -hmm. do you know what i mean mm -hmm. i think that sometimes people are looking for the the bad and the crazy rather than the sweet kind loving generous good stories um that we could give so sometimes i, I get asked a lot about oh about the lawnmower and the <laughs> you know the dad shooting things and blah and what like you know they want to all know about that stuff but um you know i like it when people ask me questions about special memories and you know things that matter just as them being my parents and things that um, were special to me growing up and um, cause I like for people to know, like what you've said, and we've kind of had this theme, which makes me very happy. They were human beings and our family is just as ordinary as anybody else's. I mean, honestly, we are just ordinary. And, um, the only thing about anything that makes it extraordinary or different is the fact that they, uh, were very good at what they did for a living and they loved what they did so much and that, that got them attention. But otherwise we are all like everybody else. We all have our good days, bad days, good things that happen to us, bad things that happen to us. We all struggle with our own problems within our family and within our own lives. Um, so, I mean, I, it's just the key thing that I think we all have going for us is that we're all the same. <laughs> we really are. Now with, the way I do these, I don't have any pre-written questions. I just kind of go in here with knowledge and just kind of bounce off what you say. And, 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 and if at any time that I say anything that you don't like, you don't never have to answer anything and you can tell me that you were offended. You're not going to hurt my feelings at all. Uh, <laughs> but I do. And I say that to say that I, I do want to get personal on one little thing that I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't remember that ever happening or her ever talking about it. So if you don't feel comfortable, you can just say, I'm not comfortable. We'll, we'll go off of it. On the end of George and Tammy, where they're going, you know, the what happened after the life and stuff like where they go with the words at the very end, it, it mentioned that when your mother had written her will, that her husband at the time, like that will was never seen. Was how did that play out if if you if you feel comfortable answering? Because I'm I'm very curious myself. I, in fact, would love to be able to have this conversation and tell you Absolute, all the details. Absolutely. Uh, however, legally speaking, right, right, um, right. Think, because of an agreement um, that was made a few years ago, I'm not allowed to discuss okay. uh, George Ritchie or his family after my mom. So I apologize okay. for not being able no, to answer it. However... My sister and I both have a book out um, and there's lots of okay. information in there. I'm just not allowed to discuss no. it anymore. So that, I apologize. That's fine to know. But... No, 
that's great to know because I was asked that and I go, you know, I honestly, I don't really know. And I guess that's why I don't know. Like, like that's the honest point because someone asked me to go, is that true? And I go, I, I'm not sure. I would ask and now that I've asked, now that we know, that's probably why we don't know. <laughs> yeah. And, and for, it's one of those things. And, and, and it's something that I wish that we could talk about, but unfortunately, um, legally speaking, we just aren't allowed. No, that's fine. So, when you're doing, I want to go back to George and Tammy, and then we'll we'll call it quits here, because um, I know you're, you're you you got to go. Uh, was this supposed to be a movie? Like, how was this coming about? Was it with this that they want to make a movie, and then it turned to a show? Or because for me, like, I'll give an example. Last year, my favorite movie of all time was the Elvis movie of last year, because I was like, oh, it's perfect, right. it's great, awesome. Butler did an amazing job, but then I was like. People were complaining because oh, it was only two and a half hours. But then I was like, they yeah. could have taken this movie and they could have done what they did with George and Tammy. They could have. Right. I wish they would have. And, and I'm so glad that they did this with this instead of making it like walk the line, because you can't get somebody's story straight in two hours. You can't even get no. somebody's story straight in six hours because these were what hour long yeah. episodes. There were six or seven of them. So you can't do any of that. But it's it's great to have you can play with six to seven instead of two so absolutely and to be honest they actually pitched this as a five season series because there was so much he said to yeah he's like to be honest he said i probably could have written 10 he said you know you've got not one but two people who there was plenty of backstory for the two of them that they could have started with and worked their way up to their meeting and then through this and then again um, with all the things that happened even after they were apart up to the point of both of them um, when they passed away. So there was lots of stuff that they could have said and talked about. We could have gotten way more in depth, but I think that there had been a couple of biopics um, that had been made in the last, well, I'll say decade probably that didn't do as well as like walk the line and some of the others. Um, and so I think it had made people really leery about doing multiple seasons. In fact, I've had so many people ask, Oh, please, you know, can, is there going to be another season? And I'm like, I wish we could have done more seasons. We really, really were hoping for that. But I think there's probably some people kicking themselves somewhere that realize now it, country fans are the most loyal and wonderful fans that there are. They really are. Uh, when they love you and care about you, they will follow you. And this is such an example. My parents have been gone for years now and they still have so many fans that are on multiple pages on social media, talking about them, sharing their music. And then this comes out and they were so supportive and we're so grateful to all of them for that. Um, but the other part of that is I think up until recently, TV shows were looked at as, oh, well, you know, if you're a serious actor or actress, you do movies and you don't do right. TV. TV's right. for people who are like B-level. They're not for the big superstars who know really, really, you know, what they're doing with their big careers. Um, but that went away, luckily, um, with, with the development of things like Netflix and all the other streaming services, like, you know, Showtime and HBO developing original shows and so many people being very successful with that and having large big names on a lot of these shows series and movies um so i think it's become more okay for all of that to happen and i'm just so grateful originally it was going to be jessica and uh josh brolin in a movie and oh. although i do think josh brolin would have done an incredible job um playing my dad i'm sure that he would have 
Um, but when this became a TV series, I think because of the timing, um, he wasn't, he was already obligated to other things that he wasn't any longer going to be able to stay with it. He did remain as a, as a producer. I saw um, that, but he, I saw that. Right. But he wasn't able to continue on. And that's when they hired Michael Shannon. Um, so to be honest, even though I know he was originally slated to play my dad, I think Michael did a fantastic job. Um, and I also think that six hours is far better than two. And and I don't know that we would have been able to tell as much of their story and really relay uh, some of that that we did, you know, some of that content we got in if we didn't have that much time to do it. So I'm, I'm very grateful. I'll take it a step further. I don't think you would have been able to tell the story as truthful with the movie. I, I believe you. Because, yeah, I agree with you on that. Because it's like, like from, for example, like that Johnny Cash, it was, it was like 25% true. And the rest of it was like, wh what are we doing <laughs> here? And it's, you know, and it's crazy to think that, you know, like, like you said, like actors now, big, like Kevin Hart, he's, he's, he was, he just did a TV show. And it's like, yeah. you know, now, now these miniseries are ginormous and some of them are bigger than movies. So I want to know, do you know yeah. how, how, good like on the rating scale did George and Tammy did if you if you do have that information because I'm not sure how those work it, the one bit of information I do have for sure so I'm, I'm so proud and grateful for um after the first episode um debuted um we had messages the next day that made us all very happy and excited saying wow. that in all of Showtime's history which was nearly 50 years it was the largest viewed uh premiere of any show Showtime had ever had. So in almost wow. 50 years, um, it ended up being the the most watched and seen premiere of any show they ever had. So that that just was beyond exciting for us that that, that many people watched. I bet those guys at Showtime are kicking themselves. Man, we could have done this three <laughs> damn seasons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know, who knows? I keep thinking, everybody keep pushing, saying you want more. Who knows? Maybe we can get some prequel stuff or some other things done later down the road. Who knows? Maybe we can just push it till they say, hey, maybe y'all could create a little bit more. Uh, I would love nothing more than for that to happen. But One last question for you, and we'll we'll end it here. If you could keep one memory what would that memory be? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Um, there was a moment when my dad, okay, my dad did this TV show uh, with HBO actually. I think I was 11 years old. We had recorded Daddy Come Home when I was 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And then he did this like the next year. And he asked me if I would sing with him um on the show and I had never been on TV before and to be honest I didn't even know that it was being filmed for TV until I was there because my mom knew it would make me nervous because I hadn't done it before and um and it did I was like you could if you ever watch the video for daddy come home I'm a deer in the headlights I'm just staring aimlessly you know and and um the sweetest moment my dad was I, I'm looking back on it now I realized at the time I, I didn't know because I was just so scared He's holding my hand and trying to kiss my forehead and trying everything he can think of to make me feel comfortable and calm. And then there was a moment where afterwards where he and my mom and, and I were, were talking on the side of the stage and um, they were both giving me a hug and, and talking to me and telling me how proud they were for me. And it was just, 
such a wonderful moment as a kid. I know it sounds ridiculous and silly. Most people have their parents tell them nice things all the time. And not that mine didn't, they did. They told me lots of wonderful things, but I never got to have them together. Really. They divorced when I was only four and to really have that time with them where it, it almost felt like for a moment that they were still together. Do you know what I mean? And I was just in my little happy pocket for, you know, a half hour or so with them side stage. And it was just a really nice time that we had together. And, um, I'll always think about that a lot. Georgette, I sincerely, I, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Like, I, I mean, I, I send out these all the time, these requests to do podcasts. And I know I'm just going to get told no on some people. And so when I come to you, I was like, well, <laughs> no come out. So I'm pretty sure there's it's going to be a no. But luckily, you're like, hey, and you even personally emailed me and you were like, I would love to do. Oh, and that right there, Georgette, that meant everything to me. It, it, so I, I really thank you for that. Like, honestly. I appreciate you having me. And I will say that for number one, I knew you were from Mississippi. Um, and number two, and I say that because, you know, of course, mom was, but it made me immediately think about my parents, both of them, and, and the uh, thought that they loved um, their fans. They loved talking to them. It's taken us over a decade to get this show out. So I am just so happy to be able to talk about their story and to remember them and to honor them in any way that I can. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much for inviting me because it means the world for me to still continue to share them in any way that I can. So thank you. You know, Dano's seasoning is changing the world one table at a time by offering the best all-natural low-sodium seasoning products on the market. Dano's goals are to provide you with real flavors to make healthier food choices without ever having to sacrifice the real taste. Dano's includes low sodium, which is only 50 milligrams per serving. It has all natural unrefined sea salt. There's no sugar, no MSG, no chemicals, and it's completely gluten-free. Also, there's 100% natural ingredients. Dano's seasoning is the most versatile seasoning on the market. Grill, smoke, bake, create soups, sauces, marinades. You can also sprinkle Danos on your eggs, your potatoes, maybe some pizza, maybe some pasta, and even while you're watching a movie, sprinkle some Danos on popcorn. Heck, if you're crazy, why don't you put some Danos on ice cream? Any food that exists, you can put some Danos on it. Go to danosseasoning.com, use my promo code HodgePodge, capital H and a capital P in HodgePodge. Guys, remember to do that. Um, just like the spelling of the podcast, a capital H and a capital P in HodgePodge. You can try all three flavors, which include original, spicy, and hot chipotle right now today. It's damn good. Yum, yum. Get you some. We are sponsored by Raise Energy. Powered by the enhanced refresh technology, Raise Energy delivers with a performance-enhancing energy drink that aids in the most often overlooked categories. Raise Energy targets focus, enhances your recovery time, improves clean energy levels, and boosts your stamina and hydration. Most importantly, each single can of Raise Energy has absolutely zero calories, zero sugar, and zero carbohydrates, which that gives you a smarter and more healthier option. You should not have to settle for an energy drink that contains more sugar and carbs than you can count. Opt for the number one fan-voted energy drink on the market today with Raise Energy. If you want to get yourself a can of Raise Energy, go to repsports.com, R-E-P-P, sports.com. Use my promo code HPP1000, HPP1000 at checkout, and you will receive a generous discount. (laughs) 